As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining us once again, all the way across the country, right in your ears, Rodrigo Lopez. Hey, guys. Rodrigo, you're back. I am for fish. Woo! And of course, across the room from me is Steven Schlager. Hello. Steven, do you like fish? I do. I do like fish. You like sushi? I, I like sushi a lot. Yeah. I like uh, I like cooking a nice uh, salmon filet, which is really good. If you've mm. had a swordfish steak, that's good. Uh, yeah, I like fish. All right. Well, uh, not to give it away, but we're talking about Finding Dory today. Finding the big, Dory. The big Pixar movie of the of the summer. Yeah. Last year we got Inside Out, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, this year we get a sequel to a 2002 film, Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. With, uh, four, was it 14 years later, we got Finding Dory. Is it uh, really 14 years? Wow. Well, 2002. Time flies. Yeah, man. Uh, so we pick it up. Well, no, first, we're talking Pixar movies. We got to mm-hmm. talk, talk the very first time we should always talk about Pixar movies. Which is the Pixar short. Yeah, Piper was a, is a little tale about a little uh, sandpiper bird that's mm-hmm. born and is trying to discover his way in the world. And uh, his, you know, he runs up to the beach to try to eat a little clam or a little shell thing. And then the water comes and washes him out. And he gets freaked out about that until he discovers his a new way of looking at things and a new way of trying things. And that leads to some greater opportunities for the little bird. And so by the end, he's the one chucking out these giant mollusks <laughs> and shells and all the other sandpipers are just kind of looking at him like, wow, what's this guy all about? So it's a cute little movie. Yeah. Rodrigo, what was your kind of impression of Piper? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was good. Uh, it was it was really cute. It's like Pixar does cute really well. Mm-hmm. So they're just like they're just like steering right into it. Right. They're just like, let's just make like the cutest little bird thing possible. <laughs> Also, interestingly, I'm pretty sure that's how like actual legit like mutations and uh, um, like behavioral things develop oh, sure, in sure. the yeah. natural world. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's like in a thousand years, all sandpipers will adopt <laughs> that behavior if this guy is that successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? about the visual aspect of Piper because that's a well, big so, part of what the Pixar shorts are is kind of them testing their next generation of like, Yeah, so visuals. I was really trying to figure out what they were testing because mm-hmm. if they were testing foam simulation or wave simulation or particle simulation stuff, they've already done that. Mm-hmm. If they were testing feather simulation, they've kind of already done that too. So I I wasn't really sure and I haven't had a chance to look to see what what new breakthrough that they were testing in this so i don't i don't know i i whatever they did it looked good it looked really yeah, realistic it, there was a very realistic nature to the whole to the whole piece mm-hmm. which i don't know if they were just testing out some whole new render system but i'm trying to think the short for inside out was the volcano thing right mm-hmm. and yeah. i remember that looking exceptional especially yeah. with the water yeah they did a lot of water a lot of cloud yeah uh, simulation stuff um, but I, I was kind of taken aback just by the quality of it. Cause it definitely had a different look than finding Dory did in the, in the rendering. Right. right. Yeah. It definitely went for this, like about as realistic as you can get with like, mm-hmm. and still have like birds have like visual, like physical expressions. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, if you'd remember, um, the good dinosaur, which is was a Disney yeah. joint, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Disney. Um, yeah, it's like that one had a like hyper realistic background with like the little doughy characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Right. But, uh, and that's kind of what this reminded me of is like the beach, the water, the, the foliage around, like had a very, very realistic look to it. Um, as opposed to, you know, maybe like stuff in Finding Nemo and Finding Dory does as well. But since it's like underwater in a coral reef, um, you don't, uh, like it doesn't might not look that realistic because we're not used to seeing those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it looks like, as I'm reading here very quickly, it does look like the feather technology was something that they improved upon. Oh, okay. Uh, because the it says here in this article they didn't have enough mobility to fluff up um, hugely or droop when wet the feathers. So animators had to cheat and reshape the birds' bodies to make them look puffier. The solution was a new technology which allowed feathers with millions of individual fibers, four to seven million mm-hmm. on the hero's tiny body, to be hand sculpted. So. All right. That's pretty cool. Well, that's it. Um, Especially if the feathers have those, like you said, four to seven million little tiny yeah. fibers on there. That That's pretty good. And we can come back to that in a little bit because I want to talk about a specific thing that I okay. uh, read about Finding Dory with the octopus character. Okay. Um, so uh, let's just talk about Finding Dory. Um, we open up with a very sad intro to find, Finding Dory of the, the past of Dory that we never got from Finding Nemo mm-hmm. of her... Uh, plague of being uh, having short-term memory loss and her essentially losing her family in the first uh, 10 minutes of this piece right is, which is very sad which uh, does touch on you know like a kid's big fear what happens if yeah. i lose my mom and dad and can't find them right. again right uh so yeah that that's pretty cool that uh, we get that backstory not that it's cool that you know she lost her family no no of course, no, of course well, not. if she hadn't lost her family we wouldn't have had a uh, character in finding nemo or we wouldn't have had a uh, reason to have finding dory right and then uh from that we jump uh a year or no in, in the midst of that backstory we get dory running in to um oh i'm blanking on marlin. yeah marlin mm-hmm. and thus getting us on path with finding nemo Jumping to a year later of Dory living with uh, Marlon and Nemo in their house. Much hilarity. Um, And then from there, it's kind of Dory's adventure of by stage and stage figuring out more of her past and remembering Mm -hmm. that she has a family and what her parents' names are and where they live. And then it's uh, off to uh, move across the ocean once again and in in search of Dory's parents and reuniting her with her family. Mm -hmm. Takes them all the way from Australia over to... uh, California. Yep. Uh, and from there, you know, the the ma- ma- major plot points is kind of Dory just kind of, I guess, just making Wash, her way rinse, through repeat. there. Yeah, yeah. Making her way uh, through the different turmoils of trying to get to her parents inside this giant aquarium um, that she thinks they are. And, um, you know, uh, eventually she goes through, meets all of her old friends, finds where she used to live, figures out her parents left to go find her after she got sucked away in this uh, underdraft uh, or, 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 I think that's a call it, mm-hmm. uh, and sucked out into the ocean, and they've been kind of waiting for her and laying these shells into the in the ocean floor so she can find her way home, like they taught her when she was just a little tiny fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they they would know that even though she has short term memory, that she would always follow the shells home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, so I was obviously a lot younger and kind of the target demo when Finding Nemo came out, mm-hmm. and I was only you know, 11 years old. And so mm-hmm. that was uh, one of those f- kind of first movie going experiences almost for me. And a lot of people my age kind of have this feeling of nostalgia for this film. Um, what was kind of your uh, st- uh, viewpoint coming into Finding Dory? What were your thoughts of Finding Nemo? Uh, well, for me, um, I had, I want to say I was in college when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I remember like, I I remember like hanging out with a friend and uh, seeing the previews for it. And he just turned like, we were watching something else on the previews for Finding Nemo came up and he just turned to me and he's like, yep, yep. Fish movie, fish movie. (laughs) Gonna watch fish movie. Um so, I mean, I wasn't like, I wasn't the target demographic, but I really liked it. You know, Finding Nemo has a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff in it to like. Uh, not only is it like a really complete, really heartwarming story that hits all the emotional beats, but sea life is 
freaky and weird and interesting so every minute of it is just packed with some interesting looking fish or some weird personality that makes sense for a weird looking fish mm-hmm. so I, I've always had a lot of like regarded Finding Nemo very like really highly I think it's one of the, the better Pixar films and Steven you can have an interesting standpoint because you might have seen it when it came out but now you have kids that yeah. are the target for Finding Dory and I'm, I'm guessing they've seen Finding Nemo before yeah they've seen Finding Nemo um, and they like it fine and they were mildly interested in seeing Finding Dory I mean we said hey this is a family movie let's go see this and they yeah. were excited about that um, but they uh, they just thought it was okay and I, and I think that you know I was trying to look I think Finding Nemo is like the second highest ranked uh, Disney uh, or Pixar movie that's mm-hmm. out there, but I certainly think that Finding Nemo is just okay, mm. and I certainly did not want to see Finding Dory. I oh, had really? little to no interest in watching a movie about the least, the character that I like the least from the first movie. That's interesting because I think listening to stuff about the directors and producers coming into Finding uh, Dory, it was like ne- or, uh, Dory was this character from Nemo that kind of was this almost turning point of them mm-hmm. writing it and this right. new voice to the story that yeah, she uh, yeah. and she kind of steals the show mm-hmm. yeah i i just i just found the character very annoying and very unlikable mm. uh the, when i liked it i shouldn't say unlikable i can understand why people like it but i just thought it was the least interesting character of all of them all right and so going to see this movie i was like I really don't want to see it, but I will go because it's family and we'll do this and we'll talk about it on Zach on film. And uh, Finding Dory was just okay, but it felt like, hey, remember everything that you liked about Finding Nemo? We're doing it again. Yeah, that was that was definitely my fear. Your son's trapped in an aquarium. <clears throat> hey, guess what? Dory's got to get back into an aquarium. That was that was my fear when I heard of Finding Dory, and I think probably after I saw the first trailer, I'm like, oh, so this is kind of the same story. You want a um, Dennis Leary grumpy character? Hey, we've got an Ed O'Neill grumpy character. Uh, but, you know, to me, once it got into the flow of the story, I kind of, I maybe I just didn't care or I was just, I thought it was, it, it executed what it was going for well enough that mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. we watch a lot of movies that have the sure. same plot structure. Sure. It, it's, just, it's just obviously more direct when you're following up with a sequel of the same story structure. Yeah, and unfortunately, and I, I mean, uh, you know, $136 million opening weekend is great. It's a huge bump. A lot of people really like it. And I, I know my kids enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, there's some really good parts of this movie. Um, but I think the, the real problem has become, and we can talk about sequels uh, at another time, but ever since Pixar was bought out with from Disney or bought out by Disney, it seems to have been a bigger push to do sequel, 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 because if it worked the first time, let's do it again. And save for the Incredibles 2, which is finally coming out, that was the one movie that they were like, well, we have no reason to do an Incredibles 2 movie. But now suddenly, you know, hey, we're going to do an Incredibles 2 movie. And unfortunately, I think that movies like Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, Cars 2 especially, and now Finding D- uh, Dory, Monsters, Inc., or uh, Monsters University, they all suffer from this um, uh, sequelitis where, yeah, it's got a lot of the things that you liked about the first movie, but it kind of pales compared to uh, the first one. And that's for a direct sequel. Now, Toy Story 3, there's a, you know, a real kind of freaky moment, moment at the uh, end of the third act where it kind of turns around that entire movie. But when it, when you put a two I, after a movie, it's uh, just I'd, it's just I don't think it's that good, especially the Pixar movies. I do not think are that good. I'd argue that Toy Story uh, in general just stands separate from that. I mean, I would agree with you with with most of it, but I think Toy Story 2 is a, is also its own thing. Um, Toy Story 2 was done right because they essentially uh, what the Toy Story movies have that say Finding Dory doesn't is that they take kind of this splinter of the world and then they explore it a lot more thoroughly right, right. as opposed to trying to rehash something else or as with the case of Cars 2 just kind of take a whole kind of like stock plot from from other movies mm-hmm. like all together and just yeah and then just fit in their their own characters into it uh so uh yeah i i i would agree with you 
uh, except for Toy Story. I think I think <laughs> Toy Story they've they've done a really good they did a really good job with each of the Toy Story installments to just mm-hmm. be like this is a this is another segment of this idea that we haven't touched on yet. Right, right. So, what was your kind of overall feeling of Finding Dory, Rodrigo? Um, I I. I I watched Finding Dory and I laughed and I had a good time and I like the characters. I like the new characters. Um, I thought they were cute, but altogether it kind of felt a little hollow. And I think it just doesn't have that emotional arc that Finding Nemo does mm-hmm. um, because in Finding Nemo, you know, Finding Nemo is Marlin's story. And Marlin has to change by the end of it. In Finding Dory, nobody changes. Like, Nemo and Marlin get along. Uh, Dory's opinion of herself, her family, whatever, doesn't change. She Mm -hmm. finds things, but she doesn't get cured of her uh, short-term memory loss. Not that she should necessarily, but essentially what I'm getting at is that no... No character actually goes through an arc in this movie. Right. I was like only... racking my brain for any character that did. And the character that comes closest is the octopus. Right. And he still kind of doesn't. At the end, Dory just kind of yells at him and he's like, okay, you know, you never find out why he's afraid to go to the ocean. You never find out mm-hmm. um, why he specifically wants to, you know, he doesn't deal with his problems it just kind of comes down to like well the movie's gonna be over here pretty soon so we're, we're you're gonna have to like get in line with this happy ending and and that's kind of how the movie felt and mm-hmm. i i've got some other thoughts on what then the impact on the story was because of that but i'll let you guys talk about your impressions too yeah, so as far as characters not evolving, you're absolutely right on that, which is probably the thing that frustrated me the most, with the exception of the octopus character. And again, you're right. We don't know why doesn't he want to go back to the ocean, except maybe he's got a cushy life at the aquarium. But in the end, he's just like, yeah, OK, I'll go back into the ocean. I'll become the teacher while the manta ray, we slowly <laughs> slip him off into the into the night. Um, so, yeah, that's just there's not really any appeal for the characters. And I think because of that, it ends up saying, hey, because we don't have a way for these characters to change and evolve, although I I suppose you could argue that Marlin learned to get off his uh, his high horse and think like Dory, what would Dory do kind of thing. But because there wasn't really critical character um, evolution, they relied on the same gag again and again and again. The last 20 minutes of the movie are, oh, you're in this tank. Nope, now they're in this tank. We got to get into this tank. Now they're in the truck. Oh, we got to get into the truck. And then let's get out of the truck. And they repeated that well, same gag in the truck, out of the truck, in the truck, out of the truck. What are we going to do with the truck? Like five times. And each of those were five minute sequences, which by themselves could have stood as a very funny, simple sequence. And then you move on, well, but they repeat it again and again. And that's for my wife. She came out, she goes, my biggest complaint is the last part of the, of the movie where they're driving that van around. It was the same thing again and again and again. And I just wanted to say, let's get on with it. And that's, I think that's, that's that impact that I was talking about. Right. It's like in finding Nemo, um, Nemo's escape. And then everybody kind of like giving up because they think Nemo's dead and then Mm -hmm. comes back. And then there's like this last moment of peril. Mm -hmm. Um, it all comes together very well here without that emotional arc, you just end up in a series of like escalating action vignettes, Mm -hmm. you know, basically everything from getting onto the truck, then getting the truck, then hijacking the truck, uh, then driving the truck into the ocean, like all this stuff is just like progressively like kind of like higher and higher Buster Keaton-esque hijinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that it uh, that it does strain the movie. But also, I, to me, it seems like and, and, and I could be totally wrong about this, but it seems to me like screenwriters looking at their product, looking at what they came up with and saying this movie needs to be bigger at the end. Mm hmm. And they, they're just like, well, what if they try to get out of the bus? And it's like, no, 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 it has to be bigger. They have to, like, hijack the truck. So it's like, so you get into, like, the scene where, like, two fish hijack a truck. And it's Which like in itself is, is this, funny, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's like, is this is this in in the themes of Finding Nemo? There's kind of this 
idea, you know, this might just be me reading into it. Part of the reason why Finding Nemo is so cool and big and interesting is because fish are powerless against mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. right? That guy drives Nemo or grabs Nemo. He drives away in, a, uh, in the butt. And <laughs> it's like, how could we ever catch up? How could we ever find them? You know, they have to put these clues together. The fish in the tank is like, how are they going to get out? Is it possible? And they accomplish... Like it feels huge when they accomplish the tiny goal of rolling out a window. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's just colossal. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. huge deal, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like in this movie, you're just like taking that and and literally just dialing it to eleven, and it kind of loses uh, the. There's plenty of spectacle, but it, it loses the emotional impact of what a little tiny fish can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Did you like this movie, Zach? What are, what are your thoughts on this? Movie? Yeah, so I've been. I've been thinking about the character art thing because I I've personally felt there is some arc to Dory's character and it's hard that they did it and it it's not as like a, I don't think as an obvious arc as most characters of Dory figuring out that she is capable of accomplishing something mm-hmm. even though yeah. she might not be able to actually remember that she accomplished anything right. but she is able th- through the movie to kind of if not remember things figure out ways to function inside of right. the world that she finds herself in and so I was I was and so I think it, there's definitely not a drastic character arc there and I was trying to think back on like uh, inside out. And I think it's almost like um, the character of sadness mm-hmm. in that movie f- uh, doesn't change much, but she realizes that she's like important. Right. And it's sure, kind of like sure. the whole movie, if they, if they made an inside out movie, a sequel, but it was just about sadness where she, right. her, her fundamental characteristic can't change. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. otherwise she couldn't be sadness, but it's a realization of, that that serves a purpose and right. she's able to accomplish something. Well, and again, in Inside Out, it's more of a focus on joy, trying to figure right. out well, where does that right. fit into this world. Hard. Yeah. Now, I think the yeah. thing that you touched on that's really important in Finding Dory is that she's able to function. And I think if if there's one message that this movie is trying to get across is that people who have special needs, which we encounter them again and again and again uh, throughout this movie, we've got the bird that as problems communicating, we have the fish or the uh, uh, whale shark that's nearsighted. We have the uh, beluga whale that is um, scared of or doesn't know how to use or whatever about his abilities. And so if there's something that we get out of this is that people that have disabilities or special needs or whatever that you want to put the label on, that they can all function in society and they all have a place in society and they can all work and be functioning individuals in society Mm. if they're given that chance. And I think if there's any message that comes out of that, it might be that. Yeah. And unless you're a giant squid and then you deserve to have a giant uh, shipping container fall. Yeah. Then, then you're, you're you're I mean, that's, that's, that's classic, uh, animal movie, right? It's like arbitrarily some animals are monsters and some animals (laughs) are cute protagonists. I mean, finding Nemo has plenty of that, like even in a, uh, positive way, like the, the whale that, Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of oh, accidentally yeah. ends up eating them. It's like that whale is not evil or a monster or anything, but it's just huge and faceless and personalityless, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That that is interesting. I never thought about it until right now. That they made that squid essentially evil. Yeah. When every character in Nemo, they kind of flip, especially with the sharks. Mm-hmm. They they started out like, oh, sharks are bad, right. and then they flipped it, and they're like, oh, we're just trying and, not to eat fish. But they, I'm surprised they didn't flip it again with a giant well, you squid. Have to, you have to have a scary moment, a scary chase scene moment, um, which yeah, and, and you, again, you, like, you don't like have. So many but, but as far as flipping predators, yeah. as far as flipping predators go, this movie does do that with the uh, sea lions because Marlin is telling Nemo, oh, oh you got to stay away from these guys. They're bad. They eat us. And then suddenly the sea lions are like, hey, hello, mate. Uh, you're so good. And we're nice. We'll help you out. Oh, that special, that uh, weird one over there. Pay no attention to him. <laughs> and they make fun of him and they're mean to him. Uh, but on in the end, he's the one that ends up on the rock. Um, so I don't know. It's I think they kind of did that with the sea lions. What were you going to say, Rodrigo? No, I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say that even the squid scene feels like it's like, well, it's time for some mm-hmm. action. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, 
that's that's that, that's basically what I was getting at. Is like uh, I don't know. There's just something. I feel that the the underlying structure of Finding Nemo is Marlin's growth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so in Finding Dory, without that uh, skeleton underneath, I, I feel that sometimes things just kind of didn't work. And th- there's ways of getting to that. You know, it's like. There, there's actually in Finding Dory, there's a handful of movies that you could have done that would have been a little stronger. Um, I think that uh, you could have had Marlon as the main character again. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have Nemo have have more time have passed and have Nemo basically be a teenager, mm-hmm. um, and then it can be him and Nemo going on this trip to find Dory, and meanwhile Dory's off having her own adventures. Um, and just kind of that relationship, because that relationship changes, right? As soon as you're, uh, you know, you become a, yeah. you go from being a child to a teenager, suddenly you see your father in a different light, regardless of what he's accomplished mm-hmm. or whatever. I, I so wonder there's if- a movie, there's a movie there. There's a movie of Dory and Nemo finding Marlin, you mm-hmm. know, because Marlin is such a neurotic person. If you take him out of the equation and then focus on, uh, on getting to know Nemo, who we, you know, kind of, we don't really get to know him that well in Finding Nemo. He's had mm-hmm. some time. He's had some adventures. He's gone through some hardship. You can really have given Nemo a much more of a personality. And I've told that story through the vehicle of Dory, which is really what she was in the first movie. Um, and what she's kind of good at, because, again, she's a character who is very resistant. Like, the way she's written, she's very resistant to change. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering if this movie even needed... Marlon and Nemo in it. I, I almost feel like there was no need for them to be in the film. And if you were to take them out, you could have probably trimmed a good 15 minutes out of the out of the feature, 15, 20 minutes. And it might have been even more solid because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what was their what was their purpose in being here uh, for again, for Marlon to discover something that he needs to be more like Dory and stop his neuroses. Well, that's kind of what the first film covered. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, is there a reason for Nemo to go along? His dad should have said, no, you stay here. It's too much of a dangerous trip for you to go. I'm going to go have you live with the uh, the seahorse family down the street. He didn't need to be in this movie. The only reason why we have Nemo and uh, Marlon in the movie is so we could get the bird the bird, yeah. uh, part in there. Well, and sure. That way, I mean, that Nemo it paid off Marlin. in the in the final in the final escape. That that's the only reason. There's sure. no reason for those characters to be in this film, except that yeah, I mean, hey, it's a sequel to Finding Nemo, and if we don't include these characters, people are going to be mad. Yeah, action wise, it does. There's I, again, yeah. indiv- all the all the individual beats in this movie are fine. You know, it's like first Marlon Nemo are trying to get into the aquarium, then they're the ones that are trapped in the aquarium, right? From from that action perspective, they serve their purpose just fine. Um, Mm -hmm. from that emotional perspective they don't i mean even just including this thing where dory is like well i'm gonna go find my family and then marlon is like nemo i know you've got had super adventures in the ocean but you need to stay here because it's going to be really dangerous and then nemo like five minutes later he realizes that nemo's been following yeah he, he that nemo's been following them then you can have that that emotional thing that we're all asking for, right? That's that's absent from it. Mm-hmm. That thing where maybe Marlon is like, I know you can do things, but that doesn't mean you have to, you know? It's like, th- there's just so many things that they could have done that I feel that they didn't because these characters are set. Who Marlon is, who Nemo is, who Dory is, can't change anymore. And they basically wrote themselves into a corner because of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Andrew Stanton. I like I like his work that he's done before. Of course, he's done all the Toy Story movies. Mm-hmm. He did A Bug's Life, which I love. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did Wally, which I'm okay with Wally. It's still it's uh, not, not one of my best, but a lot of people really luck, like it. Um, but he was also responsible for John Carter. Oh. And uh, and uh, Finding Dory and Finding Nemo. So it's I guess for me, it's kind of 50 50 mm-hmm. as far as me liking his work and stuff. Um I don't know. I just felt like this was a real miss. Uh, do, you, do you think it was a miss as in they shouldn't even done it or that they could have done it in a better way? Both. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, in this case, there are some movies that, yeah, I'd really like to see a sequel to. I'd like to see another story being told. Mm-hmm. With Finding Nemo, I didn't think there was another story to be told because everybody figured it out. Nemo figured out that he is a fish that has a disability that he can work with his disability and make it work. Marlon learned that he didn't have to be so neurotic. Dory learned that she's important, even though people dismiss her quite a bit. There is no need to explore that any further in a second story. 
And so I don't think, unless like Rodrigo's suggestions are are pretty good, uh, but I just don't think that that this sequel was needed to be made. But you know what? We're going to get a Finding Nemo 3 or whatever the next movie is to come out of this. They announced it. No, but I mean, when you have $136 million as an opening weekend and it's probably your second grossing sequel of all time with Pixar, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's going to be another movie. It may be 10 years from now, but yeah, we're going to get another sequel to this. And I think that's problematic if they're just chasing it for the money. Pixar, to me, has always been about innovation Mm -hmm. and fantastic storytelling. And they spend, you know, years just working on the story and nailing it until it's time to render it out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. This one felt like they should have thrown it back to uh, use a pun there. Um, Yeah, should have gone. Does it make it more bearable, though, for... Pixar sequels that they are generally separated by a decade of time and it, it uh-huh. at least you can kind of uh, you almost don't like you don't feel like oh they're just pumping well, out sequels again, you, they are like taking it. a decade to get a so if you think about it, it Finding Dory took let's just say from render time a year but four years to develop that that's mm-hmm. five years just to develop and get it all together and, and put out mm-hmm. then you have uh, the success of Finding Nemo which probably took about two years uh, form them to fully realize how popular the movie is, not just based mm-hmm. on opening day records or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's it seems like it's about a ten year cycle for for these movies, and I'm I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it means that you have to do a sequel that's going to earn all this money so that they can go and explore and do research to do things like Piper, then I'm okay with that. But I don't know. It just uh, I just wanted something more out of this movie, which I did not get. Mm. It, do, do you think that makes it more bearable, Rodrigo, with, with the gap between sequels? Because it d- definitely doesn't feel like, even with Star Wars and they're making a, kind of new stuff, it's like, mm-hmm. we're going to get a new Star Wars movie every year. Yeah, for the next eight years. Yeah, forever. We're going to have Star Wars movies for the next 20 years, every year. Um, but in that same time, there might be like one more uh, installment in the Finding Nemo trilogy. Yeah, it's it's interesting because... It, it is kind of a different model. Basically, it, it really seems to me that Pixar puts out a movie. It's successful. They like it. And then after a while, they're like, I bet we can make another one of these. Mm-hmm. And, and people will go see it. Yeah. And that's, you know, and, it, and, and that's that's kind of what it comes down to. I think that, you know, Pixar has a like a, a longer calendar of how long it takes to do something, how long it takes to develop something, when movies are going to come out. So they're like, okay, okay, guys, let's put a Finding Nemo sequel here after the next two. And after the next two, it's, you know, several years to even start looking at it, right? So uh, does it make it more bearable? Uh, You know, it's like nothing prevents you from watching Finding Nemo before you go watch Finding Dory. And then being very aware of all of the, like... (laughs) Um, basically, uh, you know, they're not really flaws so much as like, uh, you know, comparative shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Finding Nemo is a really complete movie, regardless mm-hmm. of how much you like it um, or, you know, how you feel about it in general. It is a movie that follows that uh, journey type parabola pretty much perfectly not only that but it's like an hour and a half it's like this little concise kids movie that just takes you through that like little awesome journey magical flight call to action thousand phase hero blah 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 nonsense that we like so much in movie (laughs) review uh podcasts um and it just does it perfectly so anything else especially using those same characters is just going to kind of feel like a shortcoming yeah Mm -hmm. so it may not be it may not be a decade, right? Uh, in July 2013, Pixar studio president Edward uh, Catmulley, I think is how you say his name, he announced that the studio planned to release one original film each year and a sequel every other year as part of a strategy yeah. to release one mm-hmm. and a half movies a year. So here are their upcoming movies. Cars 3, Coco, Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2. Oh. Well, what are the original ones in, the, in there? Or then that, then that Coco. The Coco movie would be the original one. Isn't the Momoa? That's a Disney movie. And so oh, that's, it is. That's, 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 yeah. that's the other thing that people Moana. get confused on. Moana, Moana yeah. yeah. People get confused because they think that, and this is the other problem with Disney buying Pixar yeah. full deal instead of just being their distributor, is that people now confuse 
Disney animation yeah. with Pixar animation. They're both basically controlled by John Lasseter. Yeah, and they both have the cast. Yes, they always have, though. People are like, what's it's like, oh, you know what Disney princess I love? Anastasia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like people don't know. They don't know the difference. It looks like uh, it looks like uh, Coco Rodrigo will be a uh, movie about, I don't know, maybe the um, Day of the Dead. The gorilla? No, no. Oh, yeah, I heard about, it's about that. about a 12-year-old yeah. Miguel who sets off a chain of events relating to a century-old mystery. And the uh, poster for it has one of the Day of the Dead skulls underneath yeah. it. So. Mm. Yeah, it actually, a long time ago, they had announced that they were uh, going to do a project involving Day of the Dead. Yeah. And then, like... Um, yeah, then that uh, one movie uh, about the Day of the Dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. then Book of Life kind of got yeah. in and it was like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, suckers. Hey, look, I'm all for it. It's like, if... What Americans find interesting about Mexico is Day of the Dead, and they're willing to treat it with respect. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, keep making movies about Day of the Dead. Well, we'll that's that's the crowbar we get in to actually get some actual Mexican culture into the United States uh, in, in media. I'm, I'm all for it. But here's the thing. From 2017 to th- 2019, there's only one original movie. The rest are all sequels. And that mm. seems... I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't feel like Pixar because Pixar was always new and innovated. And every movie that they produced in the early years was something fantastic all the way up to basically um, uh, up. Although Toy Story 2 had come out, but that was the first time they'd ever done a sequel. But everything else besides Toy Story 2 was an original movie. And then following up, it's just Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory. And yeah, you've got uh, Brave, Inside Out, and The Good Dinosaur, which are originals. But man, the upcoming series is sequel, 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 sequel. This is something that I think companies uh, find out. And especially when they relate this information to the bosses, the bosses yeah. are very receptive to, mm-hmm. um, to, to turn it to, to some other nerdy stuff. Uh, Magic the Gathering is now doing this thing where basically um, every uh, other set is now a return to a previous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Magic the uh, Gathering yeah. card playing game. And the premise is you are a, a like dimensional traveling wizard person. And so every time a new magic set comes out, you're going to a different world where you like find new spells and mm-hmm. new enemies and stuff. Um, but now basically we do new place, old place, new place, old place, because um, even though they're creating a bunch of new cards, even though they might reprint very few things, it just takes all the development out of it or like the story development out of it. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's a lot easier when you have this base already and you say, okay, well let's write a new story in this world that we already spent two years developing and now we can just do more stuff with it. Um, so I can, I, I totally understand. And it's, you know, when you turn around and you tell the bosses, Hey, by the way, this is going to cost us half because we don't have to hire 10 concept artists, we can just use two right. that already worked on this mm. and maybe one new one. You know, it's like, I, I, I mean, the, the, the savings are immediate. And when you factor that people are already attached to it, you know, everybody went to see Finding Dory because they love Finding Nemo. Right. Not necessarily because Finding Dory is a quality movie, which right. it might or might not be, depending on your opinion. But that's how it works. That box open, like box office weekend first opening thing is such Mm -hmm. a benchmark um, and it has nothing to do with the movie also maybe we should all just be like less nostalgic about everything because if we were all just less nostalgic then maybe they would stop pulling on our Ah, our, our, our memory strings but here's where and this is why i think this is more of a disney thing than a pixar decision thing Mm -hmm. is because disney came out with snow white and the seven dwarfs in 1938 something like that i want to say and then um, some people got to see it in the 50s. And then the next time that they brought it out of the vault was in the 70s, which is when I got to see it for the first time in the theater. Was, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, Disney basically made a habit of every seven years or so, they were pulling out the film out of the vault mm-hmm. to show in theater. So I got to see all of the Disney movies in a theatrical release. Now, it was a re-release, but I got to see it in the mm-hmm. theater. Now, this is before VHS and DVD and everything yeah. took off with that. The thinking, though, about that time period was... Seven years. Well, if someone, say, 
and maybe it was maybe I'm thinking maybe it's a little bit longer than seven years, but certainly in the case of Finding Dory, if you've got a generation, how old were you when Finding Nemo came out, Zach? Eleven. Eleven. And you are old enough right now to have kids mm-hmm. that could be three or four, right? Probably. Yes, you I could. Am. <laughs> you are. Um, and so when you talk about people seeing this movie, your parents probably took you to see Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. So now let's just say you had a kid that's three or four. Um your grand the the grandparents the parents and the child could all see finding dory together mm-hmm. then when finding dory 3 comes out or finding nemo 3 comes out guess what your child may be old enough to have kids don't, of their own don't you speak that bad so it becomes it becomes a generational thing where these sequels do play upon mm-hmm. your parents nostalgia plays upon your fascination for something you remember in your childhood mm-hmm. And so it ensures that people will come back to see this movie, just like Disney was doing when they're like, hey, we're bringing back uh, the Aristocats uh, into theaters and go see it. And so sure enough, we all went to see it because you didn't know if they were ever going to do this again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that's kind of the mentality about some of these sequels is and their release schedule is, you know, if there's a 10 year old, they could have kids of their own by the time the next installment of this movie comes out. Now, 10, 20, that may be pushing it a little bit for Mm -hmm. the kid to be wanting to go see it, but there were families packed to the, to the, uh, to the gills, to the rafters. I was trying to avoid that. Thanks, Rodrigo. Uh, but yeah, they were packed uh, Mm -hmm. to see the movie on the weekend. I was really surprised. We got there 20 minutes ahead of time and already the theater was crowded. Yeah. There was was, a line when we got there. I I bet there were less than a dozen seats available in the theater eight. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was the age demographic of your showing, Rodrigo? Because mine, I think, was maybe skewed more towards people my age. We saw what? it. At, we saw it at seven thirty. Oh, okay. On a Saturday. Saturday, we saw it at the and, we saw it at the one thirty show, and that's where most of the families were. Yeah, it looked packed when I was. Yeah, so it was down. youngest that I saw. There was a little girl sitting next to me. She was maybe three or yeah. four and yeah. they got up and left. Cause I think there was the, when the octopus scene came up at, or the squid scene came up, freaked her Too out. Much. And so dad left scared. with her. Yeah. yeah. Um, my youngest is five. He kind of got freaked out about that. He got engaged a little bit because, um, at the part where she was going to go back into the, um, into the warehouse, into the quarantine area, mm-hmm. he shouted, no, don't go. It's just going to start all over again. <laughs> And he said that in the whole theater. And then like a couple kids behind us, oh, as we're probably around the same age, were like, oh, is she going to get trapped again? And so there was a good mix of, I would say the youngest was three. Uh, the oldest was, you know, 14 age. I mean, as far as kid, kid kids, wise yeah. go, I didn't see any like 17 year olds. They're like, oh, mom, gosh, kind <laughs> of stuff. But I did. There were a lot of parents mm-hmm. at that at that showing. So that was that was our demographic. Yeah, what was yours ready to go? Uh, well, uh, I went to see it at like ten thirty at okay. night, and okay, so gotcha. it was so it was all adults. Yeah, like either was teenagers it, or adults. Was it full? Uh yeah it it got uh, maybe not completely full, but it was it was pretty. Uh, um, it, it was at least almost full. Um, there was a line when I got there. Um, and then, yeah, people just kind of trickled in and eventually it got pretty full. I, I want to say a, um, not completely cause, um, I think there were a couple empty seats in my row. Um, but that's just because of my personal hygiene, I'm guessing, <laughs> uh, not necessarily because of the movie. I've kind of shared what my family thought. What did your wife think, Zach? Uh, she really liked it. We laughed a lot. We, uh, enjoyed, um, the beluga whale yeah. not being able to use his, uh, echo his echo location. I thought that was uh, a, a good laugh. Um, yeah, she, but yeah, but she enjoyed it. What about your girlfriend? Did she go with you, Rodrigo? Yeah. Um, actually, that's that's kind of the, the that was a driving force to go see it because uh, uh, yes. she um, she really likes Finding Nemo. It's probably it's maybe her favorite Pixar movie, or, mm. or definitely in the in the top five, um, which is another show we have. But um, <laughs> she she had a similar reaction to me. She kind of felt that it didn't just didn't have that kind of emotional push to it. Also, she is very into marine life, and she's mm-hmm. very into um, 
whales especially so like when the beluga came out she was like that's not how echolocation works <laughs> but, which is weird it's weird to be sitting in a movie and have somebody do that to me because usually yeah. i'm that guy um she was also very concerned because she's very anti-captivity uh, right. as far as, you know, orcas and, and stuff like that. And it was clear that they were in an aquarium and there was a captive beluga and a captive whale shark, um, which is kind of a, a scary proposition. But they did say Sigourney Weaver that does tell us about yeah. a thousand times that all of these animals are meant to be released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Sigourney Weaver thing was, I don't even know how that happened. There's probably some story like, why Sigourney Weaver? Why why that? And like, was it written in for well, some celebrity to well, be because, a, a spokesperson throughout the entire thing to remind everyone that all these animals are fine? Yeah. So like certain places have something like that, right? They mm -hmm. will, if the place is big enough and fancy enough, they will actually hire a celebrity to do the announcements, um, or, or maybe like talk about new, uh, exhibits and things like that. So that, that's the president for it. Right. It's uh, like, why specifically Sigourney Weaver? I don't, I, I couldn't I, tell I, you. I would, I don't know how she feels about marine life, but certainly she's <laughs> been an advocate for, um, the low land gorilla, um, okay. protection. Um, so maybe that's, maybe it's something tied into that right. or maybe she just needed a paycheck just want yeah, yeah. The, the voice credit well it's funny again there's like there's so many little things in this movie that are funny right mm -hmm. it's like sigourney weaver by name being <laughs> a character essentially and then like dory talking to her mm -hmm. like when the voice came out and you know mentioning like oh yeah sigourney weaver she told me that i need to go this way you know and things like that like it's very funny like all there's all these little individual things about the movie that are like really clever mm -hmm. basically everything hank does mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. like everything he does to hide and mm -hmm. to like he like pretends he's a potted plant and all these <laughs> other things there's like so many little clever things and you know they just went nuts with that octopus oh, they're yeah. just like what all can we do with an octopus and an octopus is like a crazy creature that can do anything so it's like they just had carte blanche about you know physical comedy crazy antics mm -hmm. that they could do with it mm -hmm. there yeah. uh, and that's what i want to talk about with character animation is the octopus there is a, a piece i saw it on youtube actually i think it was from like cnet or so for some reason where they were talking to the animators on finding dory about the octopus specifically and they said they did not have the technology when Finding Nemo came out to do an octopus to actually get the oh, the, yeah, the, the movement. floppy movement mm -hmm. of an octopus. Yeah, where it kind of rolls over. Yeah, the, the rolling over. of mm -hmm. of it. They said, and that took them. There was that first scene of them uh, of Hank trying to get Dory out of the tank and get her tag and everything. Mm -hmm. and they said that was a two year process wow. of getting that one scene done because they were figuring out how to model, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just the skeletal, I guess, of the body of the octopus. And then they had to figure out all of the, uh, you know, the, the shading elements because mm -hmm. they said essentially they got it down to, they described it as a cellular level of the, the changing colors on the skin of the yeah. octopus, mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, that stuff is just what, makes Pixar for me as this level of detail of like, mm -hmm. Oh, we can't get an octopus. We're not even going to try. Right. And that's, and that's what I like about t Pixar movies. And I, and I think a lot of the Pixar stuff did, did kind of spill it into the Disney 3d animated films because mm -hmm. when they were doing big hero six, there was this whole new algorithm that they had to do to create the cities so that they could, you know, just continually zoom in and get more and more detail on different parts of uh, Neo, Neo, what is it? San Fran, Tokyo. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. And to spend that amount of time on the octopus and Finding Dory is really cool. And that's what I expect Pixar to do. I expect them to be innovating. Mm -hmm. I expect them to be challenging. I expect them every time I watch their movies to blow my mind. And I expect Pixar movies. Now, I'm a softy. I expect <laughs> Pixar movies to make me cry. Mm. You know, I couldn't even get through Up, the first five minutes of Up, no, without bawling my eyes out. Uh, but this movie... Didn't shed a tear once. Didn't even get choked up at all. I was just like, mm, okay. Uh, and I, maybe that's my that's my benchmark for whether the Pixar movie is good. Did I cry? Well, In this case, you know, I did not. It's it's an expectation. It's an expectation that the movie builds itself. The mm -hmm. movie starts out and it talks to you about this emotional connection between Dory and her parents. Mm -hmm. um, it's a sequel to Finding Nemo, which is itself a tearjerker. Mm -hmm. right. um, so the movie essentially creates this uh, like perfect little sandbox for itself and then fills it with rocks. Yeah. You know, like it just kind of uh, 
creates these expectations and then fails at them, maybe uh, without even meaning to disregard them or whatever, but they do create kind of these all of these expectations by being a Pixar movie, mm-hmm. by being a sequel to a, a very emotional movie, and by starting out with really emotional stuff. And then you get these characters that are already set. They don't change. They don't do anything else except go on a cute adventure. Mm-hmm. Did And I, I read online articles talking about how people thought the first opening bit of Finding Dory was if not more sad, just as sad as the opening for Up. Hmm. And I and I didn't feel that way. No, Obviously, no. you did, Steve. Steve, no, you didn't either, Rodrigo. And my kids didn't. I they, did didn't they didn't freak out. I mean, yeah. Thomas, my youngest, was a little scared because of um, things just got dark and scary and she was mm-hmm. running away. And so he kind of just grabbed my arm for a minute. But he was not, like, upset. He didn't go, oh, Mom and Dad, I sure hope I don't ever, you guys don't ever lose me or anything <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. There was, none of that was ever brought up. That's so, because he grew up uh, watching Daniel Tiger, and he knows like grown yes, ups come back. come back. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Way to go, PBS! You've ruined another uh, movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my thought of Dory. I, uh, I definitely don't think it's as good as Nemo. I definitely wouldn't put it in kind of the top tier of Pixar movies, but. I don't really have major problems with it, except when you guys start talking. I'm like, ah, yeah, there's definitely, mm-hmm. you know what it was is that I did in the middle of it think they fully took advantage of having Nemo mm-hmm. because it felt like we started on a level and we never even, we didn't ramp up to anything. There was mm-hmm. no basis yeah. of this is where we are in the world. It is, remember how Nemo ended? That's where we're at. And we're just kind of yep. taking on from yep. there. Which was, to, that was the only thing that plot point that sucked for me. But then realizing that when you describe the action sequence of the end, it was just a continual ramping up of, of, of action and action uh, definitely makes more sense. Um, so that's uh, Finding Dory. Go have fun in the theater and splash around. Um, <laughs> well, maybe, you know what? I would like to hear some people in the comments section uh, who really love this movie. Yeah. Uh, convince us, like maybe we were pointing out to you, Zach, all, all the things that we had a problem with. Yeah. I would like our our listeners who really love this movie to maybe change Rodrigo and I's mind about why this movie is so good by bringing up your points about what makes this movie fantastic. Mm-hmm. Comment that section, Majorspoilers.com. Absolutely. Um, head over there. Give your thoughts on this episode. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about either uh, probably the destruction of planet Earth yeah. by aliens or Matthew McConaughey in the Civil War. Um, or something, you know, what did come out on iTunes that you would hate to watch. No, uh, uh, is, uh the new, the new Richard Linklater uh, movie. Uh, no, the new, I'm going to forget one of my favorite director's names really quick. Oh, the, the, forget the, it. The, nope. Already the, out. The, the tree of life. No. Next no. step of that. No. That came out this last week. Nope. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I thought about just, just like, see when we have to do this movie. But I was like, I'm, I'm not going to force anyone to watch it, <laughs> <laughs> to watch my weird movies. That I want to watch. Well, watch it and let us know. Yeah. It doesn't oh, have good. Malik. Yeah, the, yeah, the Terrence Malick new film. It does not uh, have good ratings. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure the, the Tree of Life didn't have good ratings, and you loved it. No, the Tree of Life has a 99 percent on Rotten oh, Tomato. Okay. All right. His stuff after that is pretty low. All right, but well, Terrence uh, Malick finally discovers Ensign's journey up his own butt. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So head over to MajorSpoilers.com. Leave your thoughts on Finding Dory in those comment sections. Head over to Amazon.com via the button on the Major Spoilers homepage. You can do all your shopping there. Probably buy a Blu-ray. A copy of Finding Nemo. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. they haven't converted to 3D yet, but that'll probably happen in the future. And when you do, you You're can buy also it on stream it. Finding Nemo. Oh, look at that! Right from Amazon. Uh, when you do that, it's not going to cost you any extra, but a little bit. We'll come back to major spoilers uh, to help keep this media enterprise growing and flourishing. In the meantime, watch good movies. We'll be back next week with more Zach on film. podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.